I got to say one thing, though, and it feels a little bit weird being a dad, but I do know that when we say, hey, what's today? Everybody, when it's Mother's Day, everybody goes, Mother's Day! And then we have Mother stand up, and everybody goes, wah! And then we go, hey, what's today? Uh, Father's Day. You know, and you give golf claps, which might be appropriate. That is so not acceptable. So all the dads stand up and give them their right due for being dads today. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Man, I got to tell you, that gives these dads some love. All right. Hey, and, uh, but I, I do, uh, we're going to pray here for a minute for you as fathers, um, and I, I, maybe we should have had a woman come up here and do this for us, because I'm going to receive this as well. It's really weird to me sometimes when I think about the fact that when God wanted to reveal to us what he was like, <laughs> that he chose to say, I'm your father, and, um, and that there is a weight and a burden that sometimes gets put on me in that sense of, of the role that we're supposed to have as we're raising our children up to represent God and the way that he is so loving and the way that he is so kind and caring and providing and everything. And so I just, I really do want to encourage all of you who are not fathers today to bless those around you that are and to encourage, encourage means to give courage to be a dad and, and to pour their life in there. And I, and I also just want to say, I know for some of you, today is going to be a great day of celebration. Uh, you've probably got plans, or if your dads are around the nation, you're going to give them calls and make some connections with them, and it's just, it's a, it's a really, really wonderful day. But um, I say this every year as well, because what is one person's wonderful day is another person's not so wonderful day. And I know that for some of you uh, who are sitting here today, when you think of Father's Day, it is not a pleasant thing. Um, there may be some of you who are actually estranged from your father, and this is a tough day. Um, some of you, as you grew up, you had a father that was amazing, and some of you had dads that were okay, and some of you had dads that were absent, and some of you actually had dads that, um, when you think of God as a father, that's just, that's hard for you. And so I just, I don't want to bring a downer on the day, but I also know that in a, in a room full of this many people, I want to be sensitive to the fact that for some of you, I know this is a tough day. And also, I know that for some of you, maybe this is the first Father's Day you've had without your dad. Maybe you lost him this year. And that is, that is tough too, when there's a hole in your heart that hasn't been there before. And so I want to pray. And I want to pray for a blessing on every father in this room. And I want to play a, pray for a blessing on your day-to-day and that it will be an encouragement to you. And then I also really want to pray for God's blessing of healing. And, if, and as we're starting this series, peace in your heart today if this isn't exactly a day of celebration for you. Because what we're going to talk about today as we begin this whole series on peace is going to reveal something about our Heavenly Father that I think is going to be really good for all of us, okay? So let's pray together. Father, thank you. Oh, just to call you the Heavenly Father, thank you for being the perfect Father, for being the Father whose love never fails it always perseveres for being the father that always is kind. Your wisdom is perfect. That you are the one father. You're the only father, actually, that we can always trust. For you will always do everything that's right. I want to thank you for revealing yourself to us that way because you're telling us, even today, that you want to have a close, intimate relationship with us. And we praise you for that fact. 
And so God, I want to ask right now for a blessing from you today on the fathers in this room. And I want to ask that you would actually anoint them with power through the Holy Spirit, that they will do the job that you have given us, I'm not you, the us, that you would help us to do the job that you've called us to, to raise up children, to know your love in a secure environment where our kids are encouraged and where they're trained, where they're comforted, where they're challenged, where they are brought up to know and where they are brought up to be everything that they possibly could be. So God, we know we're human and that we fail. We pray you'd cover our mistakes, that your grace would fill the cracks where we don't quite measure up. But God, I just want to ask for that blessing today. And I do pray as well, God, for just comfort. You are the God of all comfort. Would you just bring the comfort to those who are missing their dad today um, and those who would love to have a better relationship with their dad today? I just ask that there might be healing as well that could take place. And now, God, as we go into this message, I know that what we're going to speak about today, you tell us even that it doesn't make sense. And that if we're going to use our human wisdom to try to get this today, it's not going to happen. But today what we're going to talk about is, is a truth that must be spiritually revealed. And so God, I want to pray for every person who ventured out to come to church today. And I want to ask that you might um, give us the grace in this moment to open the eyes of our heart so that we can understand fully, fully what you have done for us. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who can do that, and we ask for that grace today so that we can leave this place fully charged up because of how good you are in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. So um, last week, uh, we finished up this last series that we were doing called Everything That We Need. And, uh, and again, we were just trying to help us understand that after Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, that he, what he did was make sure that we would know that we could be reconciled to God, that we could be brought back into relationship with him, and that if we would actually know God, not just know about him, but if we would know him, then we could have everything that we need for our life and for godliness, which if you were here for that week, it meant to be God-centered. Because our human nature is so not God-centered. <laughs> it's always something else-centered, and usually self-centered. That's just how we operate in our human nature. But now, because of what Christ has done, he says, now you have everything that you need so you can actually be God-centered. You couldn't even do it before. And so we have this new grace and this new gift for us. Um, and so then Peter went on and he says, you've got to add these seven things to your faith. And, uh, and I, just, I just want to tell you that I had a bit of a fear a little bit about last, this last series that we did. Because as soon as I, I know that as soon as you hear that you need to add something to your faith that immediately you start to feel like, I got to do, okay, all right, well, now tell me what I got to do, right? And you get this whole long list of religious things that you've got to do, and before you know it, this unbelievable joy and freedom that we're supposed to have in Christ turns into man-made religion. And no, I don't know about you, I, I don't want to have none to do with that. It is oppressive. There is nothing that will make you run farther from the church than when you start to think that you have a whole list of things that you got to do <laughs> to be able to please God. And so I was nervous about that, so we I feel like we tried our best to make sure that you would understand that to know God means that you always first must receive from him. All those seven things are things that he wants to give you. You, in fact, he says, you can't even love me if I don't love you first. 
If you've got to let my love come into your heart, and then, in response, you can love me. And so, um, so we really tried to work hard on that. But here's what, here's what was interesting to me, for me personally. Here we are talking about this incredible life that we could have. And, and just so you know, I mean, I had studied that passage in depth since January, working through that thing to try to understand it as much as I could. And we get into the middle of the series, and all of a sudden, I, I really started to struggle, personally, just in, in my own life. Um, and mainly with these feelings of like accusation and, and condemnation towards me. Ba- basically just feeling like I'm falling short in every area and like everybody would like to let me know that. And um, so I was really struggling that how in the midst of studying and praying and now teaching on having everything that I need that I could feel like such a schmuck. And I'm like, see, I'm like, wow, this doesn't work. But what's going on? So, you know, you're up here and, you know, see, can I, okay, I'm just going to tell you, this is, today's going to be a little different. I'm going to, this has been a really interesting week for me because I'm going to try to be as honest as I can with you today. Because I know lots of times you guys think, oh, there's Pastor Dave. You know, somebody told, somebody called me that once and I said, no, I'm, I'm Dave. <laughs> who's a pastor. And because I, sometimes I think you guys can think that we get up here and speak and we have it all together. And those of you who actually know me go, wow. <laughs> you know, uh, and you go to other churches and stuff. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, <laughs> but what I want to share with you today um, is in the midst of longing for God and in the midst of believing Really, that what Jesus did was everything that I need. I still couldn't get it. Even as I'm trying to teach it and help us all understand it. And so I was just experiencing this huge lack of peace. And that's always fun when you know that's the next series that you're going to teach on. Um, So what I want to do today is I want to share with you, though, two things that happened for me personally to release me from that. And, um, and it'll end up being the catalyst. So I'm so sorry. It's been a long week. Need a little more sleep. Um, but I, just, I, I think it'll be the catalyst for what we're going to talk about as far as what peace really is. And before I get into it, I, I, I want to beg you, I'm going to do a little side announcement here. Please don't miss this. The two revelations that I want to share with you today happened when I, not Pastor Dave, when I, David Michael Nelson, just wanted to be with the God who loves me. Not to study for a message, not to get more theology, but I wanted to know God. And I just wanted to engage with Him. And so what I do, and you guys, I try to, I mean, this whole year we've been trying to help you understand this, is just grabbing my own Bible and getting up in the morning and believing that God's going to speak to me. And you guys, I can't tell you enough. If you're not getting up or at some point in the day giving God a chance to just love on you, can I say it one more time? He knows you so deeply and so intimately. 
He knows your heart and everything that you're feeling. He knows your mind and all of your questions. He knows every relationship issue. He knows what's happening with your finances. He knows your anxiety. And he sits there every day and goes, and I'd love just to talk to you about it. I would love to reveal to you what is really true. And then not just talk to you. If you would let me, I would actually pour my grace into your life. I would give you mercy. I'd tell you the truth that could set you free. I would strengthen your heart. I would give you the wisdom that you lack. I'm telling you guys, this is not religious church stuff. This is a living God who loves you to literally death so that he could be with you. And, and I just want to say, if you're, again, because we all struggle with this, right? Oh, God, to get up, I got to get up at six, you know, to have life. Are you kidding me? You know, I'd much rather be just burned out and fatigued and angry. And uh, I, I, I tell you, it's a challenge. I want to get it back to you. In the word of God, it is living and it is active. And God will use it to speak directly to who you are in your present situation, and he will meet you there. Okay, so there's my side advertisement. Man, if you're not reading the Bible, you are missing it. You're missing the opportunity to engage with God. So here's what happened for me. The first time, as I was just reading 2 Corinthians, the very end of chapter 1, beginning of chapter 2, I was just by myself, out in my chair in the back of my lawn, uh, early in the morning, and the whole theme that Paul was talking about was joy. And, and it was really wild, and, and he's talking to these people, this church that he loves. It's just like me maybe talking to K2, because I love you guys. And what, but what he says is, don't you know that I'm working together with you for your joy? I don't know. I read the Bible all the time, and that, and that verse never stuck. I'm like, oh, wow. Do I actually work together with you for your joy? And then he says, because don't you know that my happiness depends on your happiness? Don't you know that I want you to share in my joy? I want you to be able to rejoice. And I'm reading this whole thing, and it's all about this pastor who says, it's all about joy. And then it hit me, and this has been going on for the last few months. I feel like God's been waking me up to something. And he's just like, Nelson, do you know you do a really cruddy job at rejoicing? You don't do a very good job at really celebrating. And what hit me, you guys, is this. I realized that sometimes what happens to me is I get way too caught up in the introspection of who I am and how I'm doing. Anybody else ever do that? And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I want it all. So I want to be the best husband and I want to be the best dad and I want to be the best pastor and I want to be the best friend and I'm the best neighbor. And so when you want to be that, you look at yourself and you go, ooh, and you aren't doing it there. And, ooh, you. and, and what happens is, and this is what happened to me, I realize that when all I see is what I'm not, anybody else do that? All I see is what I'm not. What was happening was, is I was taking that same attitude and I was placing it on everybody else around me. Now all of a sudden, I can see what my kids aren't. And I can see what my wife's not. And I can see what K2's not. And I can see where my staff is missing it. And then all I can see is this, because I want to fix it, because I want to do it, and I want to make it. You know, and then all of a sudden, what happens is your whole life turns into this. <laughs> joy. Oh, yeah, joy, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so I read this thing, and it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I'll say it again. Rejoice. Okay, here's one of the first lesson that hit me. When you put anything else at the center 
of what you're focusing on besides Jesus, it just gets ugly. And you know what else can get really ugly? Trying really hard even to be a good Christian can get really ugly. Wow, I, I, really? I thought this was good. See, but what happens is when I'm looking, when my own goodness becomes at the center of what I'm trying to do, then you know what happens is it gives me every chance for despair and anger and frustration and anxiety and worry and heaviness because I'm focusing on these and that means I can see everything that I'm not. And what's the verse say? Rejoice in your holiness, Dave. Is that what it said? What's it say? Rejoice in the Lord always. And so I literally pictured me taking my self and all my goodness and lack thereof and moving it out of the center and I put Jesus Christ back in where he belonged and I started to look at who he was and what he's done for me and next thing you know I could start to feel joy you guys it's critical that we and I was so nervous now about last series is we get too caught up in trying to be everything that we could be and I'm not the Bible even says examine yourselves I'm not saying don't do that but I'm saying make sure that you examine yourself in the light of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Does that make sense? Okay, if not, buy the CD and let's do it again. All right, here we go. But that leads me to the second thing that happened. And again, this was when I was reading his word to me. And this thing I actually do with uh, five other guys here. And we get up to, uh, early on Thursday mornings. And uh, we do this thing called soap. There are soap journals. You can buy them in the back. Anybody can do this. And we just read the word of God together. And then we meditate it on for, for ourselves. And we let God speak to us. And we journal about that. And then we get together and we just share what God has revealed to us. It's been really, really amazing. Well, here I am in the midst of this time. And all I'm feeling is accusation and condemnation. I'm just feeling, all I'm seeing, you guys, is everywhere where I'm falling short. You ever been there? That's such a cruddy place to be. So here I am in that state of mind. And we're in 1 John, and we get to chapter 2. Well, actually, before I go there, one of the things that hit me with this, and I don't know if you guys know this, but do you know that we have a spiritual enemy? Do you guys know that? Now, I know some of you, you know, really, literally, in fact, I talked to someone afterwards, that some of you are sitting here today, and you don't, you don't believe that there is a spiritual enemy or a warfare against you, and that's okay. Actually, it's not okay. <laughs> um, for, but it is because you're free to believe what you want to believe, but... Jesus made it very clear to us that there is somebody who's trying to take you down. In John 10.10, 10, he says, this thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And every one of us in this room is his target. In John 8.44, and these are the two things I'm going to focus on here for a second, is Jesus says that John, in John 8.44, he's talking about Satan, and he says he was a murderer from the beginning, He's not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Do you think Jesus is trying to get a point across here? He basically is saying, you're going to have a spiritual being who every single day of your life is going to try to lie to you. And, and that's me and you. That's going to be part of our existence on this planet is somebody in our spirit who's trying to lie to us. And then in Revelation 12, 12, 12 I'm sorry, 12, 10, he's also called the accuser. His name means to accuse. And this is so freaky to me. But the Bible says 
that he is the accuser of us, of the brothers. And he accuses us before our God day and night. In other words, what Satan does is he likes to stand before God and accuse you for everything that you've done wrong. He's trying to bring it up for you so he can take you down. You ever have anybody accuse you of stuff? I mean, how, how joyful is that? I have the peace of the Lord. You know, as people are accusing you, it's horrible. So that's the kind of state I was in. And then I read this, 1 John chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. See, because you guys, sin is never good. It's never good. It's never right. It's always destructive. So, I mean, Jesus wants to have victory over So I write this to you so you won't sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the one who turns aside God's wrath, taking away our sins, and not only ours, but also the sins of the whole world. So you guys, now here's again why you need to read the Bible not once. 1 John is my favorite book, I think, in all of Scripture. I have read that puppy up and down. I have read 1 John 2 a million times. I can quote you that passage. I know it. But on this day, I needed to hear it. And what God did to me, because he knows me in my specific situation at that moment, because he loves me, he tells me, David, don't forget. I don't want you to sin. But if you do, you have one who speaks in your defense. So here we go, you guys. What I want to share with you right now is basically what took place in my mind on that day and in the last two weeks. And it's been the most joyous thing. Couldn't wait to share this with you today. So I, I just closed my eyes while the other guys were doing their stuff. And I just had this picture in my mind because I have one who stands in my defense and who speaks for me. So you guys have all seen the courtrooms, right? See it right here? See these tables? You know, the classic courtroom that you've seen in the movies? You know, that was my picture. You, you guys ever been to a court? None of them look like that, actually. But, um, but we have these tables. And, and on this side, you have the prosecuting attorney, right? And what's his job? His job is to take you down. His job is to present enough evidence so that you will be found guilty and so you can go to prison where you belong. That's his job. He's right there. And then who do you got over here? You have your defense attorney. And what's his job? His job is to stand in your defense and make sure that nobody takes you down. And here I am, and I sit there, and over here, I see the sleazy guy in the cheap suit, right? You know, he's got the greasy hair, and he's just, and he's just ready to, and then I'm over on this side, and my defense attorney is Jesus Christ, who's unbelievable to me. So here's what it's like. Let's go over here. What's this guy doing? I, I, just, I, I just sat there, and I just tried to think about what um, this prosecuting attorney who's trying to make sure that you are found guilty, what does he do? Well, the first thing what the Bible tells us is that he lies to you. He lies to you all the time. And one of the things he lies to you about is who God is. Sometimes he tells you that God is just so angry 
and so frustrated with you, and he can't wait just to slap you upside the head. He is watching you every single moment for every little thing that you'll do wrong, and when he finds it, he's going to pounce on you. And that's a lie. Now, he also lies in the complete different way. Sometimes he says, well, you guys, you don't have to worry about anything. God is such a good God. He's, he's a God of love, right? So, I mean, if you're doing stuff that he doesn't like, you know, he'll get over that. You know, he, he's a good God, and he just, he just loves you, okay? Sometimes he comes at you and he says, but I can tell you one thing, and don't forget this, that if you would ever even consider giving your life over to this God, you know you're going to lose your life, right? You know that all your dreams, you can kiss them goodbye, all of your pursuits. You know that if you actually give your life to God, that you're going to have to serve him. He like sends people to Africa. You ready for that? <laughs> you know, I mean, he's going to want you to wear cheap clothes and look cheesy and just, you know, he's going to strip you down and absolutely steal your life. And sometimes he lies to us and he says, hey, and look at all the trouble in the world. Look at, the, look at the trouble in your own life. You think he cares about you? Are you kidding me? He doesn't care about you. I'm telling you guys, our enemy seeks to lie to us all the time. And not just about God. Then he starts to lie to us about ourselves. He gets us to believe that you aren't lovable, that you aren't valuable, that you've got nothing inside you that's worth squat that God should actually care about you. And then what he's the master of is he loves to make sin, the things that God doesn't like, he loves to make them look like really good. Anybody relate? Yeah. Well, you better if you're human. I'm telling you, it's amazing to me how every single day of my life, the things that I know are not good of God can look so good. And really what it's like, it's like of this bait and we're like a bunch of dumb fish just, you know, just going after this thing. And then what happens is you actually latch on to it. You, you engage in the activity. You entertain the thought. You jump into the thing that was so good, even though you knew it probably wasn't, and you got it. And then what does your accuser do? He turns on a dime. The guy who made everything look good and lured you in does like one, a 360, turns at you and looks at you and then starts to totally accuse you. You slime ball. I knew you'd take the bait. You are so weak. You are pitiful. You are such a loser. And you think that God would love you? You know he's holy, right? And look at yourself. I mean, I just started writing them down here. You are a joke of a man. You are an absolute disgrace to the image of God that he created. Look at the things that you're entertaining in your mind, much less participating in. Are you kidding me? Now try and tell me for one second why a holy God should want to have anything to do with you much less love you and bless you. You're hideous. And then he goes, this is what I, anybody else hear this stuff in your mind? Some of you are going, I think our pastor needs psychological help. <laughs> um, and, and the rest of you, who I think are human, might struggle with this too. And then he'll say things like, you are on your own, buddy. You're on your own. God may have loved you at one point, but you have done nothing to deserve it to continue in. And in fact, you know there's no way that God loves you with what you've done this time. And then, you know what's interesting? I read this a few years ago, and I think it's really true. 
is that our spiritual enemy doesn't like to wound us in our areas of weakness. You're already weak. He likes to wound you in your area of strength. Because he knows if you actually will ever become the man. Man, this Ignite thing that Christian has encouraged us to go to, and we have 25 men going. Are you kidding me? I'm sorry. We have 1,400 people here. We have an opportunity to engage and to grow and to become everything that we could want to be. And yet, we, we don't go. And I think sometimes, you guys, we, that, that our enemy looks at us and he goes, because I don't want you to become the man you're supposed to be. Man, if you actually found your strength, I'm doomed. And he does the same thing to all of you. All of the women, all of the men, all of you students, all of you ch- he just, he will take you and he'll wound you. In your, and, and so for me, you guys, I think, like, especially once you feel like you found your calling and you know what you're supposed to do, that's your area. It's kind of your foundation. I mean, God's saying, st- sorry, prosecu- the other guy, the prosecutor is nailing me. And he's saying, sure, sure. God may have called you to start this church. But man, is he second guessing himself now. That may have been his choice. But man, he, he's rethinking it. And when you start questioning that, are you strong now? Do you feel encouraged? I'm telling you guys, he will do everything he can to take you down and to render you powerless, and it never ends. That's what's so frustrating to me. It's never going to end till I die and get to be in heaven with Jesus. He never stops lying. He never stops accusing. He never stops threatening you. He works to, excuse me, works to fill our hearts with fear because it paralyzes us. Fear of punishment, fear of failure, fear of the future, fear of your past. He discourages you to render you powerless. He is here to steal and kill and destroy your joy, your peace, your purpose your confidence and your connection with God because in God, everything is right and he doesn't want you to have it. And you know, I I just sat there. I was so sick of this because all I could do is is wake up in the morning and find out where I'm falling short as a dad, right? Where I'm falling short as a pastor and as a a leader. You know, how's your church going? You know, how's your staff? Where's that? Oh, you can find every little thing that's wrong and then you realize you're falling short. I, it was just, I'm, I was so beat down and I just didn't have any joy and any peace. That is the prosecuting attorney's job. And he was doing a really good job to me. You guys ever sat up on a witness stand? You ever had to sit? Isn't that weird to me that, you know, at least, at least in the movies, I've, you know, but you got to go up so everybody can see you. Yeah, put the spotlight, thank you, on you. And, and then have somebody try to prove that you're guilty. And man, when you're standing there, and whether it's other people who are accusing you, or whether it's a spiritual enemy who's accusing you, or whether it's yourself, it, is, it sucks the life out of you. So, 1 John 2, 1. David Nelson, don't forget, there is one who stands in your defense. So in my mind's eye, I came over here to the defense attorneys, and this was Jesus, right? Did you guys know that Jesus Christ is your defense attorney? And this is literally how I saw him. 
he was sitting there on the table like this, and he had his feet up on the desk like this, right? I mean, literally, this was him, and if I had a pencil, he was kind of tapping the pencil on the desk, and he's just looking over at this guy going, oh, whenever, you know, as soon as he gets done. He was not threatened by him. He wasn't worried about him. He was absolutely at peace. Now, can you imagine if you were sitting up at the, at the witness stand, and the guy was ripping you to shreds, and you look down at your defense attorney, and he's going, oh, crap. I, I mean, I just, that would be horrible. But to look down at Jesus and have him be at complete peace, just waiting his turn. And when that guy got done and he sat down, I just pictured Jesus going, standing before. And you guys, this week I just prayed and I was like, God, what is he trying to say? What does the defense attorney say? And um, I really feel like God said to me for you guys today, not to make up my own words of what I think he would say, I'm going to read to you straight from the word of God what your defense attorney says about you if you're a follower of Jesus today. And I'm going to do it in my name, okay? I'm going to do it as if he is defending me, okay? But I would love for you to maybe put your own name in there as we go through this. Listen to this. It is true, absolutely true. Once David Nelson was spiritually dead because of his many sins and the things that he did wrong against God. He used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying this guy right over here because this prosecutor is the one who is the mighty spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. In fact, everyone at some point lives this way following the passions and the desires of their sinful nature. David was born with a sinful nature, and he was under God's anger, just like everybody else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved him so much, that even while he was spiritually dead because of the things that he did against God, God gave him life when he raised me from the dead. Now remember, I'm Jesus now. Okay, so don't get confused. When he raised me from the dead, it is only by God's special favor that David has been saved. God saved him by his grace when he believed. And now, he can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that David has done, so he can't boast about it. For now... God has shown a different way of being right in his sight. Not by obeying the law, but by the way promised in the scriptures long ago. David was made right in God's sight when he trusted in me to take away his sins. All in all, everybody can be saved in the same way. No matter who you are and no matter what you have done. For David sinned, for David sinned as all have. And along with everybody else, he falls short of God's glorious standard. Yet now, now, God in his gracious kindness declares David Michael Nelson not guilty. And God has done this through me. I set him free by taking away his sins. For God sent me to take the punishment for his sins and to satisfy God's anger against him. David was made right with God when he believed that I shed my blood 
sacrificing my life for his. Therefore, since David has been made right in God's sight by faith, he has peace with God. Because of what I have done for him, because of his faith, I have brought him into this place of highest privilege where he now stands and he can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. So what then shall anyone say in response to this? If God is for David Nelson, then who can ever be against him? And since God did not spare me but gave up my life for his, he also will give him everything else he needs as well. And then I picture Jesus kind of looking at the accuser over here. He says, you think you can accuse him whom God has chosen for his own. Who can do that? Who can accuse the one whom God has chosen for his own? The answer, no one. God is the one who has given David right standing with himself. Who can condemn him? No one. For I already died for him and have, gained, and have been raised to life for him and I sit at God's right hand, the place of highest honor, and I intercede for him. So, can anything ever separate David Nelson from my love? Does it mean that God no longer loves him if he has trouble or calamity or is persecuted or if he is hungry or cold or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, David has full victory through God who loves him. And then I imagine him turning to me. And I'm sitting up on the witness stand going, Wow. And he looks at me and he says this. And David, you need to be convinced that nothing can ever separate you from God's love. Death can't. Life can't. The angels can't. The demons can't. Your fears for today, your worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away from you. Nothing above you, nothing below you, nor anything else in all of creation would be able to separate you from the love of God that is in me, Christ Jesus, your Lord. So yes, let's make it clear. Once David Nelson was alienated from God, in fact, he was God's enemy, separated from him by his evil thoughts and actions. But now I declare that God has reconciled him by my physical body through death, and I present David Michael Nelson holy in God's sight, without blame, and free from accusation. There is now no condemnation, for he belongs to me. I rest my case. Now here's what's beautiful about that. That is God's word to you. That's just God's word. I'll send out the scripture if you need it. I need it. And you guys, here's what's beautiful about it. Can I just give you a few of my thoughts on this? The first one is this. Guess what? There's sin. I'm a sinner. I'm not Jesus. Now, sin is not acceptable to God. It's not. It does indeed induce his anger. Did you hear that? Sin induces God's anger. He hates sin because it destroys things, because it never honors him. And so the point is, God is going to punish sin. The question is, who's going to get the punishment? Are you going to get it for your own sin? Because you deserve it, and so do I. Or is somebody else 
going to take it for you. See, there's this fancy word in the Bible called atonement, and we have no idea what it means. How many of you used atonement in your language this week? See, it's just, it's not even in our thoughts. And you know what atonement is? Atonement is this gift of God to say that I will accept another sacrifice in place of the one that should be punished. And by that, I get my justice served, and yet you get saved in return. It's a substitute, you guys. And I'm telling you right now, I am not going to share with you anything more important. If you're here today, you, in my opinion, and from the scriptures, you are hearing the most important thing you will ever hear in your whole life. And when you face God, you're going to understand this clearer than I'm going to be able to explain it to you. And that is this. There will be punishment for sin. But either it can be swallowed up in Christ who received it, or you will receive it for yourself. Now, if I can give an example, I, I heard this story years ago, um, and it really works for me. And it, it's about an Indian tribe. And there was a chief of this tribe who was so well respected. He was loving, he was compassionate, he was gracious, he was a strong leader, he was very just, the people loved him. And then all of a sudden, within this tribe, there was some theft that was going on. And so he came before the people, called them all together and said, listen, some one of you is stealing and we need to find out who that is. If you will confess that right now, we will forgive you immediately and you'll be fine. Well, no one would come forward. And the theft continued to happen. So he brings the people together and he says, okay, if nobody comes forward, when we find out who you are, we will have to punish you for this sin. This cannot happen in our community. Continues to happen. Calls all the people together, says, okay, whoever you are, you're not listening. And so now, when we find out who you are, we will induce the 40 lashes minus one upon you for this sin. And that evening, they find out who it was. And it was his mom. And you know, he loves his mom. And so they bring her, they drag her up in front of him. And he stands there in front of all the people and everybody's wondering what he's going to do. Is he going to love her? It's his mom. Or is he going to be a just ruler and actually live up to what he said he would do? See, because if he doesn't, then maybe we can get away with it too. So eventually, the chief calls his mom forward and he says, tie her hands and tie her up to the pole. And his mother gets roped up around the pole and then he calls up the brave, hands him the whip and he says, Induce the punishment. The brave grabs the whip, gets ready, and as soon as he's ready, the chief says, stop. And he goes and he takes off his shirt and he hugs his mom, puts his arms around her, and holds the pole. And he says, okay, start the punishment. And in that way, the punishment was given for the sin, but his mom was saved. You guys, this is a spiritual truth that all through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, it is everything that God has tried to help us to understand. Sin will be punished, but God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son 
that so whoever would believe in him would not perish but receive eternal life. There is a substitute for you. And I'm telling you, if you want to stand here, upon, actually stand here on the witness trial before God one day and have the accuser lay out everything that you've done wrong, and if you want to be your own defense attorney, okay, you, you go. <laughs> Personally, I want him. I want him to stand before me and say everything that he just said. Isaiah 53.3 says this. It's a prophecy about Jesus. It says, He took our suffering on him and he felt our pain for us. We saw his suffering and thought God was punishing him, but he was wounded for the wrong that we did. He was crushed for the evil that we did. The punishment which brought us peace was given to him, and we are healed because of his wounds. We have all wandered away like sheep. Each of us has gone our own way, but the Lord has put on him the punishment for all the evil that we have done. And so you guys, you know why I love this with all my heart? Is when the accuser was ripping me to shreds this last month, you know what was interesting? Is a lot of what he was saying was true. It's true. But you know what? It's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. Now a lot of what he was saying were lies. About me and about God's love for me and who I am to Christ. But I'm telling you, it is amazing to know that what God, what, it makes God's grace all the more amazing. Listen to what it says in Revelation. I only read you part of the verse. Listen to this. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down and they overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. See, he might accuse you, but Jesus Christ has defeated him, you guys. And I don't know about you, but I need that. And I long for that in my life. So I just want to tell you today, you can be at peace with God. Now, there's four types of people in here as we close. Some of you, I've seen your little smirks on your face the whole time I've been given this message. And I think the reason you've got smirks on your face is because you're sitting up on trial and you know Jesus is your defender and you today are so free. And you're just like, I'm with you, Nelson. You go, boy. Preach it, brother. I didn't hear any of that, but, you know, I mean, you're sitting there, you just, you know this is true and you live in the reality of your freedom. Because you know you're completely seen without blemish, no accusation towards you. And not because of anything you've done, but because of Christ. And we're going to do communion right up on these tables. And you give you guys a chance, and you're like frothing at the mouth. Oh, yes. Give me a chance to come up there and thank him again for the fact that I'm free. There's a second group of you, and that's those of you who know that that's true, but you have been so lied to and so accused. Maybe some of you are just living in sin right now. And you've been sitting up on the witness stand and you've been so berated and you forgot that it's not about you. But it's about Jesus. And on this day, when you come up to take communion, maybe even before you come up, you need to just get yourself out of the center again and remember that his salvation was complete for you and you're free today. Come on, come home, right? If you've been a child of God, and you need to be free. You should be at peace with God. There's a third group, and the third group of you is this. 
This guy has been accusing you and lying to you and he has beaten you down and he's winning. He has sought to steal and kill and destroy. And he's destroyed your relationships. He's destroyed your peace. You have shame in your life for the way that you're living and nothing seems to change it. And at this point, you have been left alone to defend yourself and you can't do it anymore. You know you're guilty and you've been living with that guilt for way too long. Christ didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world to save it. And today could be the day where you would say, Jesus, would you defend me? I need your forgiveness. I know that I'm not righteous before God. And I do not want to die one day and stand before him and try to prove him that I was good enough. I would rather know that I'm seen without blame and declared not guilty completely. I want to receive you now as my defender and as my savior. And I want to be free. And some of you know that. And today's your day. You're walking out of here different than when you came in. There is a fourth group. And just really quickly, you know what happens? Sometimes God and Satan switch roles. And sometimes God is actually the prosecuting attorney. But what's interesting is, instead of condemning you, he convicts you. So it's a totally different deal because when the Holy Spirit and his job is to convict you, and some of you may, but what he does is he goes, hey, can I, can I just tell you something? What you're doing is not good. It's not right. It's going to harm you. It's going to harm the people around you. And it's keeping you separated from God. See, he does it with gentleness. He does it and he woos you, but he speaks the truth to you. And then you know what? Our enemy actually comes over here and then he becomes the defense attorney. And he goes, oh, don't listen to that. Are you kidding me, man? You're a good person. I, I, again, I, this, this Holy Spirit thing, telling you that you're not living a life that's pleasing to God and that you're separated from him, that's a bunch of bull hockey. It's just not true. And don't you dare believe it again because remember, if you actually give your life to Christ, your life is going down the tubes. You're going to lose it. And he lies to you. He will do, see you guys, he will do anything he can to keep you from receiving God into your life. As long as he keeps you separated from him, he's good. So sometimes he's actually your defender and he's lying right through his teeth, making you think you're okay. That's what the scripture says. For the gospel, the good news that I shared with you is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. But there's another verse that says that our enemy is the one who blinds the minds of those who don't believe. So, in this moment, I'm telling you, I'm, see, this was a really interesting week for me because I knew I was going to share with every one of you, no matter where you're at, the most important thing that you need to hear today. You can t obviously, if you've been here at all, you know you can disagree with me. That's fine. I don't care. I really don't care if you disagree with me. But what I've shared with you is just what God has revealed in his word, and you need to take it up with him. So in this moment, and Ben, why don't you guys come on up. In this moment, we're going to give you a chance to decide what you want to do with the body of Christ that was broken for you and the blood that he shed on the cross. 
For they overcome the accuser by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. So again, some of you come up here and take communion and you just celebrate with God. It's going to be awesome. Some of you, actually what we're going to do, if you guys see cards there on your seats, every single one of you should have got a blank three by five card. And what I want you to do is, as the band starts playing is I'd love for you to consider taking a pen and grabbing the card and I would just write down, some of you have had so many accusations against you and you just need to write them all down. What have you been hearing in your mind about yourself and about your value and about your sin? What, have you, what lies have you been listening to that God has not loved you and that he doesn't care about you? And maybe some of you, what you really need to do is just take this card and you need to write down the stuff that's been in your life that is totally the opposite of what God has for you. And here's what we're going to do. For those of you who know that this is covered by Jesus, just come up here and celebrate. For some of you who've been his children and you've been holding it back, today is your day. Write it down. Remember the prodigal son? Come home and let God run to you and embrace you. He says, if you confess your sins, I'll forgive you. I'll wash you clean and you could walk out of here totally at peace with me. And some of you, maybe for the first time, because you've never been at peace with God, ever, is your day to write on that card and say, God, I confess to you. I've never put my faith in you. I've never received your forgiveness. I've never received the Holy Spirit. And today is the day that I want to ask you to be my defender. Write it on there. And here's what we're going to do. There's a trash can on either side, and we want you to take all the junk and the crud of your past and all the stuff that's been robbing you of your peace and throw it where it belongs and then come and receive through Christ. Remember again. He said, you guys don't forget. Remember me. Take this bread, dip it in the wine and take it in as the symbol that God is in you, cleansing you of everything you've ever done wrong. And we'd like to do it this way. If you could, just come down the outside aisles, even if you're here in the middle, if you could kind of come like this and come through and then you can go back up the center aisle. And let's make this our time to remember that through Jesus Christ, we are at peace with God. There's now no condemnation. You are free from accusation. Let's celebrate that together. So go ahead and take your time and write that down. And whenever you want, come forward.